Good morning, everybody. So this is not the place that I like to be on Sunday mornings, is getting up here speaking. I'm more comfortable over in this area <laughs> and letting the words all be written down, you know, for me ahead of time. So please bear with me today. But I felt like God really wanted to um, speak a message on love this morning. So it's actually a lot of it's coming or written off of a book that I was working on last year called Living Agape Love. And then I got a shirt given to me this week that says love. So I guess it's just, <laughs> it's all lining up, right? But as many of you know, I was a children's pastor for a while. And so I, that's the only time I got to preach. So I'm going to do things a little bit differently this morning. <laughs> so... I got my story time chair over here. <laughs> We're going to start with a story. Now, I should make you all like stand up and get your wiggles out and all that, but I'm going to trust you guys are going to listen today. So, so the story this morning that we're going to read is Cinderella. Aww. Can you all see the pictures? Yeah. Okay, okay. Cinderella, a dream come true. Every day was the same. I woke up early, cleaned the house, washed the dishes, mopped the floor, and took care of my stepsisters and my stepmother. But someday my dreams would come true. I just knew it. I would wear beautiful gowns and dance at fancy balls. Maybe I would even fall in love. One day a messenger arrived with an invitation to a royal ball. I begged my stepmother to please let me go. I see no reason why you can't go, she said, if you get all your work done. As evening fell, I finished all of my chores, but just as I was about to leave for the ball, my stepsisters ruined the gown I was wearing. I ran into the garden and cried. Suddenly, a fairy godmother appeared out of nowhere, and she asked me why I was crying. I told her, and with the wave of her wand, she turned my rags into a beautiful dress and sent me off to the ball in a glittering coach. But she warned me, on the stroke of twelve, the spell would be broken and everything would be as it was before. The minute I walked into the ballroom, my eyes met the princes, and we danced and danced until the clock began to strike midnight. In haste, I ran down the palace stairs and lost one of my glass slippers. But it was that slipper that made the magic, for the prince searched and searched for the one girl whose foot would fit into the slipper. And I was that girl. We had a royal wedding, and we lived happily ever after. You see, my dreams did come true. I fell in love with the prince. <laughs> so I don't know if you all get where this is going. <laughs> but our culture has set up stories like this. And they widely spread the misconception that when you fall in love and you get married, everything will be so happy and you'll live happily ever after and you'll never have tough times, right? <laughs> so I love fairy tales. I mean, I'm not knocking them. They're great, but that's just what they are, a fairy tale. And so often we get in our minds 
that if it's true love, we should live happily ever after. And all the problems kind of, they kind of make it so all the problems happen in the beginning of the story, right? Like the stepmother and all the bad things, they all happen before they get married and then they get married and everything's fine. And they live happily ever after for the rest of their days. And they dance around the palace and all this stuff. So I'm going to tell you guys a bit of... Um, mine and Devin's testimony this morning. And I want to say before I get started that I have talked to Devin about this because for a long time I held back on telling what our testimony was because I didn't want to get up in front of everybody and say, oh, he was a horrible person or give away any of the things that he had done um, because he was my husband and I wanted to guard him. But he told me when I was preparing for this message that God wanted to turn around the things that the enemy meant for evil for good and that if we held up back on what we said, that he couldn't do that. So... So it's going to be raw, and I'm not changing the names <laughs> to save face for anybody. So the, the stories, though, the fairy tales, really set me up for disappointment, because when, when I got married, I thought, okay, we're going to get married. We're going to be able to see each other more. You know, all the things you hope for when you get married. Um, and you soon realize, as many of you guys who have been married know, that you get married and pretty much you see each other less, right? Like all of a sudden you have bills to pay, you have jobs to go to, and you don't have as much time for each other as you thought you were going to have where when you're dating you're like, once we live together we'll see each other all the time. <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. So we saw each other less and we began to struggle as we built our own lives together. Things were going okay for a while, and then all of a sudden, well, I say all of a sudden, but things build up, you know, different things, miscommunications, insecurities. I had a lot of insecurity, and I looked to him to fill those. And then Devin began to backslide, and he began to drink, and I didn't know what to do, because I was like... I had been taught drinking was bad. He knows better than this. You know, what do you do with somebody when they know something's wrong and they still do it? So I struggled with that and I struggled with having compassion for him because I judged him for being that way, for doing something he should know better than, than to do. And I began to wonder what I had gotten myself into. I was a very insecure person. I was feeling worthless rejected, and I felt that it was more than I could handle. And when he would come home, I would be angry because I couldn't understand what he was doing or why he was doing it. And then one hurt would lead to the other, and we continued to like go around this merry-go-round where we just beat each other up all the time, you know, like emotionally. So troubles continued. We had children, started bringing children into our lives, you know, and there was good times in between all the bad times, but they were few and far between. And so I was pregnant, completely hopeless, and I moved out. I went back home to live with my parents. And it was during that time I began to pray for my husband. 
And my prayers weren't really prayers, actually. They were more like, hey, God. <laughs> Anybody else ever done that? Hey, God. <laughs> you remember me? This is what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'm done, is kind of what the prayer was. I actually said to him, um, actually, I want to read this verse first, because I had prayed about marrying him before I got married, before we started dating. So I really held it personally against God when all this stuff started happening. Because he, he gave me a verse before we started dating, and it said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife, and the two shall become one. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And so I took that at that time as that, yes, we were supposed to start dating, and yes, we were going to get married. So... I really took it personally with God when all this stuff started falling apart because <laughs> how could God do that to me? How could God set me up knowing all this stuff was going to happen basically for failure when I tried and tried to do what I was supposed to do? So I had gotten mad at God, but I'm not going to go into that too much today. But I was up praying for him one night, as I had done many times, and I was telling God, my conditions. So I told him, if he's unfaithful to me, I'm leaving and I am done. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. I can do that. <laughs> and at that moment, I heard an audible voice. And I had never heard an audible voice from God before. And he said to me, I love you no matter what you do. Oh, just right. <laughs> it was like a dagger for me, right, in the heart. And it was at that moment, I was so grieved that I had asked God to forgive all of my sins. But I wasn't willing to do the same. And I knew at that moment that not only would the thing that I'd put my conditions on would happen, but that God was asking me to love him through it. And he continued to speak to me about Devin's misconception for love and how he didn't understand the Father God's love because he thought love was conditional. You could only get love if you were good enough. If you weren't good enough, then people would push you away and they'd stop loving you, right? And God wanted him to understand his love. Agape love. A love that's not deserved. I didn't even know what agape love was at the time. I mean, I'd heard the word, but I didn't really know what it meant. And so, as God was asking me to love him with an agape love, I agreed, but I didn't really know how hard it was going to be. I didn't really understand what he was asking me to go through. So I began to research agape love, and whenever I wanted to quit, and whenever things got really bad and I thought, I don't deserve this, I could hear those words in my mind again. I love you no matter what you do. So I didn't do it perfectly. I actually was pretty terrible at it. <laughs> um, I didn't handle it very well when he'd come home drunk. In fact, when the movie, anybody see the movie Rapunzel? You know, or not Rapunzel, but Tangled? 
Tangled, okay. So we were at my sister's house the one day and Tangled hits Flynn Rider in the face with a pan. And my sister laughs and she looks at me and she's like, I bet you've done that to Devin, he 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 he. And then she looks at me and sees me look at Devin and she was like, you've done that, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I had. <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason I thought that if he um, came home drunk, that I should knock some sense into him. <laughs> it didn't work. Just so you know, don't try that on your husbands at home. <laughs> but I had never really been around drunk people, and I didn't understand, um, you know, when he came home, what I should do. So that was my my thought at the time. And so God really had to work on me um, to teach me how to love people when they're at their bottom. So anyways, that's a running joke at my house still. Devin's like, don't make her mad. <laughs> She's going to get the frying pan. <laughs> so anyways, so I did my best and I started to learn more about agape love and I started to have compassion for people when they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, when they weren't following what God asked them to do. And so he really taught me a lot about not just loving my husband, but loving people. <clears throat> God showed me a picture one time of me holding God's hand and holding on to Devin's hand. And Devin was leaning, falling into this pit, and I was the only thing holding them from falling into this pit that went to hell. Around the pit was all the people's lives that he was supposed to change in his ministry. And as I watched the people watch him to see if he would make it, if God could save him, I thought to myself, if I let him fall, what's going to happen to all those people that he's supposed to touch? When I looked at the situation from the world's view, I felt like a fool for loving somebody that continually seemed to hurt me. But when you look at it through God's eyes, those people are his children. And for a long time, I kept trying to make God choose me or him. Because I was like, you're supposed to be on my side. I'm the one who's, you know, praying and showing up to church and doing all this stuff. He's the one who's out there doing whatever, who knows what, in the world. So why aren't you on my side? But I didn't see the love that God had for him. Because he was his, his son just as much as I am his daughter. So we don't think about the, genera the generations that are impacted. Even if his ministry is to reach all these people, that's like you think about all those people and who they will reach. How much of a genera the generations to come will be changed because you loved one person through one horrible situation. You don't know and you will never know until you get to heaven. But loving somebody can change the trajectory of not only their lives, but lives of all the people around them when they see that God's love can change someone. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about spiritual authority in marriage. 
Um, so this isn't just geared towards marriage. You know, we need to love other people too, but there is a special power that we are given. <sighs> She's taking my pen away. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say um. I was so proud of myself. I didn't say um. It's just clicking the pen. It was all right. <laughs> so we are given special spiritual authority over our spouses, and sometimes we say, "Oh, we can't control people." Right? We have no authority over their lives. They have their own decisions. Bull. Is that okay to say up here, yeah. Pastor Brenda? Okay. Yeah. Mom says no, so I'm sorry. Baloney. That's baloney. In that verse where it talks about the two of you becoming one, you are one flesh. That means that you have just as much authority over their lives as they do. So when they're falling into that pit and there's the enemy all around them and the demons are coming and you have authority over that situation just as much as you do over your own life. Mm -hmm. So instead of walking away and letting that person fall off the edge, loving them when they don't deserve it and not giving up, We've all heard the, the verse. I think you have it up here. You want to put the verse up? Love is patient. I'm going to read two different versions because I like how the one version says, but this one is more of the one that we hear all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. Does not delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But in this version it says, love suffers long. Suffers, yeah. And is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So when we look at this verse, a lot of times we think of, is the person that I'm with loving me that way? Are they being kind? Are they protecting me? But it goes both ways. When, when you have someone who's in that moment where they're not doing those things, are you living this out for them? Even when they don't deserve it. I want to put a disclaimer out there real quick. There's a difference between loving somebody unconditionally and letting somebody abuse your love. And there are times in a relationship that it calls for tough love. We had some times like that where I had to back off. But it doesn't mean I gave up. And there was a lot of years that I fought hard for him 
but I stepped back and I let consequences for his actions come in and teach him because love corrects. It's not my job to bring correction. It was God's job. But it was my job to allow God to do it. Sometimes when we love people, we think that we have to save them from themselves. But sometimes God's trying to teach them something in that moment, and we get in the way. So during those times, I never gave up on him, but I called to the spirit inside of him. <laughs> and I warred for his soul. There may be times in a relationship that you have to do that. I'm not saying to stay in a dangerous situation, but I am saying it doesn't matter who it is. God can change them with love. I have a couple other testimonies that I want to share with you. I'm just going to get a drink real quick. Recently I read a testimony on Heidi Baker's page, her Facebook page, um, of a woman who had gotten saved at her ministry. Her husband was severely abusive to her. And so she began to pray for him, that God would save him. Shortly after, the man suddenly died. Sometimes we would have thought, oh, that was God's way of answering her prayer. Now she's not going to be abused. But she didn't think that way. She ran to Heidi's mission and begged them to pray for him. And as they prayed for him, God raised him from the dead. Then he became a Christian. The man's life was completely changed. And instead of spending an eternity in hell, his name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I was amazed by the story, but then I began to read the comments. Everybody knows don't read the comments, right? <laughs> um, I was surprised by the Christians that were on there that were saying, how dare you pray for a man like that? He deserved to die. They would rather that he spent his life in hell than to give him a second chance. It's easy to judge and say, oh, we don't do that. You know, I wouldn't say that if I was put in that position. But do we really think about the people in our own lives that have wronged us? Do we wish that they get what they deserve? I have another testimony about a lady whose son was killed by a young man who was um, in a gang. And it was his initiation that he had to kill somebody and so her son was just some random random kid passing by and he was shot and killed and so she said to him at the trial when he was convicted I'm going to kill you and so the, the kid obviously was scared <laughs> of this woman this mother that he had changed her life forever and taken away something that she deeply loved he was in jail and shortly after she began to come visit him. And she began to encourage him and she brought him a Bible. And when it was time for him to get out, she asked if he had any place to live. Do you have a job that you're going to? And he said no. And so she said, well, I have a friend that says that they'll hire you and you can come live with me. 
So in my mind, I'm like, is she going to kill him in his sleep? You know, <laughs> this is her moment. Which, But she developed a relationship with this young man. And after he had lived with her for about a year, she sat him down one day and she said to him, do you remember that day in court when I said to you that I was going to kill you? And he said, yes. She said, I have done that. And he looked at her and he didn't understand what she meant. But she killed the man that he was by loving him. And now she had another son. Martin Luther King says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love. Agape love. When people wrong us, love is the only thing that can drive out that hate. Not just in them, but also in us. Agape love is what we need more of in this world. In John 15, 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And we are commanded to love as he has loved us. But would you give your life for someone else? Would you give up your comforts for another who's living a sinful life? One thing I often prayed during this period of my life was, God, I don't deserve this. Anybody else ever felt like that? I don't deserve this. <laughs> Can you guys put up that picture, please? God answered me one day, and he said, did Jesus deserve this? That really put it in perspective for me. When he hung on that cross, he took the place of Barabbas. Barabbas the sinner, the murderer. He gave him a second chance. Him, a man without sin, died in the place of that sinner. But in reality, he also did the same for you and me. That's what agape love looks like. Agape love is selfless. So in closing, I have a couple questions for you to think about. Have you withheld love from somebody? Maybe by the world's standards, they don't deserve it. Maybe they've hurt you pretty bad. Or you just, you feel that they should get what they deserve. And would you like God to give you what you deserve? When you mess up, do you want him to turn his back on you? <laughs> I'm so thankful that he thought of me more than his own son that day. When he allowed his son to die. And that Jesus thought more of me than his own comfort. When he was beaten and when he was dragged and he carried his cross up to that hill as they hung him on that cross and they pierced his side. That he loved me enough to forgive me no matter what I do. So I have a, a couple questions for you as our altar call today. If you're struggling today 
to love a spouse, a parent, a child that's gone astray, or anybody else that has hurt you. You need to get yourself up here. We're going to pray that God will give you agape love for that person. And number two is, if you would just like God to help you live agape love daily, because you know we all need help with that. We all need help with that. It's so hard sometimes to just love people right where they're at. But if you would like help from God to live agape love daily, then you need to come up front today. I'm going to let Pastor Brenda take over now. Amen, amen. Amy, can I have you at the keyboard? Let's do that. Would you stand? What a powerful message. Yeah. Mm.